0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. TheAthletic.com, your one stop source for all your sports news, especially during this weird, wild hiatus where they're still cranking out plenty of content, including our good friend Ross Tucker, who, well, he took it to Bill O'Brien pretty good today. A couple of quotes from me in there. I was fortunate enough to go on his show last week. He asked me about the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Things got a little heated, as you might imagine. (laughs) And he breaks down all the numbers, talks about why. Boy, it just doesn't look good for Houston right now, and we'll see. They're trying to pay their left tackle. There's plenty of content about that as well. And I'm just clicking around here a little bit. Of course, everybody's talking about what ifs. um, And that's what we're going to get to today. We're going to bring in Scott Allen, talk a little bit about what happens to baseball and the various scenarios that they've laid out in their new CBA, financially impactful. Um, We're going to break down some of the NBA moves, including trades that were made just a couple of weeks ago in a couple of these. uh, I mean, if you go back and forth to these trade deadlines we had in the NHL, the NBA, what is to become of these moves that could now be completely moot? Um, And do we just have to wash it up? suck it up and go on from there like the rest of us are doing uh just some interesting things to think about as this thing carries on and and is going to continue to carry on uh, clearly for another month and a half at least i think april 30th is now the new deadline but anybody who thinks we're going to be back in form especially on a sports field in may i think is is somewhat reckless i think june is the target for anything at this point which puts us just on the tail end of the nhl and nba season so uh, it's getting dicey for those sports specifically. And, and certainly we'll talk about baseball in detail and what they're doing to sort of try to get this thing all put together. And, and they, I mean, they're talking like they want 162 games. It just doesn't seem feasible. Uh, they've got some scenarios broken down in this new CBA that talks about 81 games, 120 games, and so forth. So clearly they're they're prepared for what could happen. And obviously, you know, the worst would be there's no season at all. And they do have financial uh, ramifications laid out for that as well. So we're going to break all that down. And then we're gonna have some fun. A lot of your pods and your shows and your TV shows, if they exist right now, are kind of looking back time capsules, things like that. We're going to we're going to do that eventually. And we'll talk about some of the things we've got planned. But uh, for the most part right now, what we want to just dive into is let's just talk NFL because that's all that's really kind of going on right now. Let's steer away from free agency for a little bit. We're not Close enough to the draft where we can start to break down those numbers, even though there's a few teams that are very interesting in this upcoming draft. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay out the single player from each NFL franchise who has earned the most money for that franchise. So that's the stipulation. That's what makes it somewhat complicated. Um, full disclosure, Scott, Scott kind of uh, took the, uh, the onus on the research with this. And he quizzed me. He gave me, all, he gave me all 32 franchises. And of course, that includes the Chargers going to LA and the Rams going from St. Louis to LA and, and so forth. Um, he tracked that all the way back as far as our data goes, which is about, you know, 12, 14, 15 years now for the NFL. Um, but we're not adjusting for inflation. So, you know, any any player that played 25 years ago, of course, is not going to make the money that that the players now are making. So from from a a current scope—it's a pretty modernized list, as you might imagine. I mean, the money didn't hit the NFL until 2008, 20, 2008, 2009, 2010 is when it started to creep in, and when they ratified that new CBA in 2011, that's of course when everybody started to get get crazy. And now we're 10 years removed from that, and a new CBA ratified, and we've got quarterbacks making 36 million dollars a year. So uh, it's come a long way, but the single player in each NFL franchise who has earned the most for that franchise. I got 20 right. I got 20 out of the 32 franchises. Right. And I, uh, I nerd out on this stuff every day. So there are some complicated, there are some surprises. Uh, we're going to break down the list team by team. Like I said, some, some of them probably won't surprise you. There's plenty of quarterbacks in there that uh, carry the day as you might imagine, but there's a few surprises. So we're going to break that down. That's uh that's, project kind of number one i gave scott in this little hiatus as we kind of move forward and like i said we'll discuss some of the other ones but let's bring scott in at this point and uh break down some of these numbers <laughs> all right scott thanks for joining the show yet again uh to get to believe it or not i know uh, man it's uh it's getting to be at that point with me i don't know about you but that point where i accidentally go to espn.com or turn <laughs> on the sports channel on tv and i'm like yep. all right they're playing something from 1987 and I have to decide yeah, if exactly. I care about it enough to watch. Uh, it's, it's getting tough. Uh, it is another successful iRace. Before we dive into our data here, another successful iRace. Not so successful uh, Madden football broadcast on FS1, but I think they'll figure that out. As uh, I think, I think that was an attempt to just get involved because of how much success the racing has had, and they're on a set schedule now. So in between IndyCar and the NASCAR beat. Um, they're sort of dominating this esports broadcasting. I have to imagine other sports are getting involved. They just are trying to get their feet wet with it. But uh, any thoughts there? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think the iRacing was great. Another great race. Uh, the Madden, I, I watched the, the beginning of it for a bit, and I had to turn it off because it it was you know they were doing a bunch of replay. I don't know if at the end of the uh the broadcast they they did the live tournament uh, or the championship or what they did but i know the beginning it was a bunch of replay and recapping sort of like a sports center type thing Yeah, no, no matter they, how it finished
1: off i didn't get through it all either i, I just kind of saw highlights but no matter to me the mistake they made and it's what we spoke to with the, with the i-race scene is they made that i-race Symbolic of how a NASCAR race looks on television. Exactly. From yeah. the introduction to the anthem to the start. Your, it, it's got a mm-hmm. feel and look and smell and taste like the real yeah. broadcast yeah, they, or you're going to lose 80% t- of your audience, you know?
0: Yeah, they had Troy Aikman as the, the lead guy, as if there was a lead driver, you know, opening it up. And, yep. uh, they, they did all the right things. I, I expected the Madden thing to be slightly different than what they did. I was hoping for they were going to actually play the game in real time and have commentation of what was going on, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not how it was, and I quickly lost interest.
1: Yeah, different animals right now. We'll see if the other sports kind of catch up to where the iRacing system is, but there may be a lot more complications than we uh, are privy to at this point. All right, here's the agenda here. I want to start with this, a little bit of breaking news. I don't think it's too splashy, but – we're we're drawing straws here, so we're gonna get we're gonna get to it. Um, the NCAA just announced not too long ago that uh, spring sport athletes will be eligible for next year if they choose. Here's the caveat; that's a big one. They aren't guaranteed their scholarship. They aren't guaranteed their their um, their funding. Right. So if they've got federal aid this year. There's no guarantee they'll have it next year. They're going to have to reapply for that along with a whole new tuition, essentially. Um, so there, it's going to be maybe a small percentage that come back, don't you think, mm-hmm. based on that? I mean, who's going to pay for <laughs> for another year just to play another sport in large? Certainly, I mean, I'd be considering it, that's for sure, if I was playing college baseball right now and I'd, I wasn't able to play this. Um, and we're going to get to another reason why college baseball actually may be extremely important to this. But, you know, your your rowers, I, I guess I'm not super sure how many spring sports exist right now, but because uh, locally they've cut a lot of them for, by, for a way of football. But um, any thoughts on this? You're kind of in a college hotbed down there. I imagine this is good news for those spring sport athletes for the most part. But like I said, there's a lot, lot of money that goes with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think for those fringe players uh, that, you know, like I said, you'll get to with some the Major League Baseball kind of talk with this. But some of those players that are fringe, high draft picks versus low draft picks. I mean, it, it could make a difference for them to be able to go back for one more year, especially if some of them are you know, close to getting a degree or want to get an extra degree. Right. With if they're that, going back for
1: grad school anyway, you might as well play, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was thinking um, that too.
1: So they did not include the winter athletes as you might Im- imagine. I can't imagine there was much draw for that. I mean, they played 90% of that season. Most right. I mean, of them started the conference championships amidst all that. So I, to me, there was, that was way too past the point of return for the, for the basketball players and whatnot. Um, but it's it's a decent step, and you know, they've screwed up things way worse than this. Let me put it that way with the NCAA. So a positive step. Although I hope there's a, I hope there's some funding that comes through. I know the colleges yeah. are bleeding right now, but if you know if athlete X wants to come back and play because this season was completely canceled, I hope that to some degree that they're they're helped out a little bit and brought back. It's uh, it's the college jurisdiction. So the colleges can say we, we're going to fund you 100 percent or we can only give you a half scholarship or you're on your own. I, I just hope that uh, in, in in the large part, anyone who decides to come back is helped out because this is a, this is a bad get for a lot of people. And a, and they're certainly included in that bunch. All right. Yeah, I agree. He, here's where I want to go with this. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of bad situations in sports. Um, you know, I'm a big baseball guy, admittedly, on this show. But and baseball was supposed to start four days ago. It obviously has not. So I've been racking my brain on scenarios that we can discuss, uh, because it, it, I don't know, I don't know where you stand on this, but it seems as if baseball is the only sport right now that's in limbo that has a chance to come back. That's where my head is. Um, I, you know, in the intro here, I spoke about the timeline and how and anything that thinks it's coming back before June seems reckless. And if we're talking June, can you just throw guys back on a basketball court? I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, you know, the mon- certainly the money and the advertising says they will. But I'm under the impression, I'm operating under the mindset that the NHL and the NBA are done until otherwise noted. And that's why much of my thinking and my research right now goes towards baseball. And there's plenty to look at. <laughs> I mean, they are doing their homework. They have already agreed to a CBA amendment where the players association has agreed to a lot of new caveats for the next year and a half to sort of account for all the scenarios. And before we get there, I just want to have a little back and forth on this because I can't get over. I can't get over all these moves that were just made in all these sports. Really? I mean, you you know, you had some significant trades in the NBA, certainly a couple of uh, decent hockey trades that led up to the deadline there in February, late February, uh, and then you had baseball with the, the gigantic Mookie Betts move and David Price move, a couple of pitchers that moved around as well. If there's no baseball, if there's no baseball, what did the, what did the Dodgers just give up <laughs> <laughs> to, to acquire, you know, uh, a halfway decent David Price who costs a ton of money and the right to pay Mookie Betts $400 million. You're no longer getting him on one for twenty-seven.
0: No, you're not. If, the,
1: if this year tolls and it's gone, he's a free agent. We'll get to the We'll get to why he's a free agent, but he's going to be a free agent if there's no twenty twenty season. Then that means he needs to be paid four hundred million dollars or whatever it's going to cost to keep him. I, I understand that nothing's fair right now, you know. And wrapping sports, speaking sp- about fairness in sports versus f- fairness everywhere else in the world right now is is elementary, but you know, that's where my, that's where I'm, that's the lens I look through right now. And I I just cannot get over the fact that this might be a disaster for the Dodgers. What if Betts walks? Yeah. What if Betts walks?
0: Uh, There's always that opportunity for sure. He
1: can go wherever he wants. Yeah. I mean, he, he can literally go. If the San Diego Padres offer him $500 million, he's taking a short flight to San Diego. (laughs) Let's be honest here. Um, uh, the Dodgers really, really are in trouble with this, in my opinion. They gave up a what we thought was a decent pull. You know, the Boston's not going to make out like gangbusters, but they got a decent pull for a, a one year rental. But that one year rental is gone. That well, one year rental only, is gone.
0: And not only with the, the, this trade in particular, but some of these signings. I mean, you're losing one year of prime prime years of the, these athletes like Garrett Cole and, and Rendon. And I mean, you, they shipped off a lot of money mm-hmm. for these players. And then that's a year that, you know, you're not getting them in prime condition to uh, compete. So, I mean, it's not only just the trade, but I, I get, I guess the only uh, sunshine out of the bets trade is they, they didn't give the farm up for him.
1: No, and I stop. I I stopped myself before saying something like that. You know, like I said, it didn't wreck the Dodgers to acquire Mookie Betts, but they were they had a mindset that I mean, I mean, there were, there was a legitimate chance they were going to be under the tax threshold. Acquire Mookie Betts and David Price and get under the CBT threshold. I mean, they were they were headed for and not to mention Scott, they were they had the All Star game, mm-hmm. right? They had this whole big thing set up, and they, they're the World Series favorites. They're the odds betting World Series favorites. I mean, yeah. this was the year of years for the Dodgers right now. So, uh, you know, I'm not crying for him as a Mets fan. That's for sure. <laughs> but, but it's hard. It's hard to. Uh, it's hard not to see. We just don't get this kind of trades often in baseball. We don't no, see you don't. top three players move uh, to to these kind of franchise. I mean, from big franchise to big franchise like this. You just don't see it that often. We see the big guys preying on the on the weaker quite a bit. But I'm looking at the list of 2021 free agents because you you spoke to. How And here's the big thing. Let's get to it. The big, the big uh, amendment that was made here is regardless of what happens, they can play 160 games. They can play zero games in 2020. The, the new amendment to the CBA says that every player on an active 40-man roster right now, by the way, it's frozen right now, will accrue a season. They will accrue a season in 2020 regardless of how this thing shakes out. And basically, the, the Players Association punted on everything else. That's the only thing they cared about. They wanted all of their guys to count this year. And you spoke to it, and we've spoken to it quite a bit. And, and if you don't understand the baseball system, let's lay it out real quick for you here. Uh, you're drafted. You, you go through the minor leagues. The second you are eligible for essentially se- – se- second you are promoted to the major league roster, uh, you're on a six-year clock, three of which are, ba- are pre-arbitration, which is basically minimum or a little bit north of the minimum salary – and then your three arbitration years, which are competitively scaled. So, you know, there's tiers, arbitration one, two, three, sometimes four, depending on how your, your uh, years of service works out mathematically. And it's tiered, you know, you, you'll make more every year as long as you do well. And, and the, the better you do productively, it's essentially kind of like our market value. The better you do from a production standpoint, uh, the more you can make in those arbitration years. So, like I said, Mookie Betts, in his final arbitration year, was making $27 million, which is an absurd amount of money for a player who's still under team control. So six years of team control, then you're eligible for free agency, which is where Betts is right now. So anyone who's in year five, right? <laughs> it was coming into year five or, or coming into year six like a Betts, you now know, no matter what happens this year, you are plus one. So if you're in the bet's bets camp and this was your last year of team control, you are eligible free agency this year no matter what happens. Yeah. Trevor Chris Bauer, Bryant. free agent. Chris Michael Bryant Ball. too, right? Chris Chris Bryant, no. Okay, so Chris yeah. Bryant is Chris Bryant was somewhat abused. And we've seen a lot of this, a lot of this happen since. He was sort of the poster child for this. So it's based on days, like per like decimal points of days. Mm-hmm. And teams figured out the math about ten years ago. And they figured out that if they they don't bring the guy up in early May, and they let him sit in the minor leagues for about 22 days, and then they call him up. They'll be If they do that throughout the first couple of years, mathematically speaking, they will buy themselves a seventh year of control. So they still get the guy for about 94% of the season. They just keep him right. down in the minors for about 5 6% of the year to start the year. Then they call him up. So Chris Bryant essentially is under the Cubs' control for seven years. He took him to court. He lost. So he's got two years left. So this is five for him. So no matter what, or excuse me, this is six. Yeah. Um, he will accrue into seven next year after this, whatever happens this year. And then after that, he'll be eligible for free agency. But I mean, there's a list of guys I'm looking at on the free agent tracker right now. Scott, you know, Betts, uh, George Springer's a big name. Uh, certainly Trevor Bauer from the pitching side of it. There, there's names here. There's certainly names here that are now going to walk into free agency even if there's not a single game played this year. So that's something to think about for sure. And that was that was what the Players Association wanted more than anything. This was a pretty quick ratification of this new deal or amended deal. Um, but that was the big win for the Players Association. A lot of people are arguing it because when we start to get into the salary sale, you understand that uh, they left themselves open for quite a shellacking if things don't go well. But like I said they are clearly operating under the impression that they're going to play some baseball this year at some point in time. And that and the amendment we're about to talk about here shows that.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, you mentioned rosters are frozen. So does that mean no players can be brought up or down and count on the
1: 40-man roster? Or It's done. 40-man's locked. The second this thing was ratified, essentially, there was a little bit of a bleed over. And we saw two days or so of just... Tons of guys getting sent down and moved around, released, things like that. But they had a, they had a day or so to clean it up, and then the 40-man's the, the, the locked. And it's an important lock because, like I said, there's some compensation now tied to it that if you're not on a 40-man roster, you are getting zilch, zilch mm-hmm. right now. So it's, uh, it, there's good and bad with all of this, of course. But they, uh, let's, get, let's get into it. There's a, there's a lot to talk about here, to be honest. Um, here's, how the, here's how the payments are going to be made. So they're basically advancing cash into April and May. They're taking money they expect to make this year, or and they budget it accordingly based on, based on the gates and all that stuff. So they're pumping 170 million dollars into the next two months. And like I said, this only applies to those 40-man guys. If you're on the 40-man roster with your team, you will qualify for this. Here's the split: any kind of anyone in arbitration or anyone, for instance, Mookie Betts or veterans, right? Your uh, your Bryce Harper's and all those anybody yeah. out of out of team control, you can get five grand a day for the next two months. So you can still make three hundred thousand um, dollars. And before you go crazy, I'm going to explain what that means going forward. So don't don't look at your own tax refund and feel like you're getting screwed here. Um, if you're a two way player, if you're under team control, you're a two way player. There's three levels. So most two way contracts have. You know, close to, close to major league minimum salary when you're in your majors, and then when you're in the minors, you can be basically, you know, around 100,000 dollars down there, 150,000 dollars or more. Anyone making more than 150000 dollars in the minors can get a grand a day for the next two months. The middle tier, it's about 500 a day, and then the lower tier, you're, you're basically minimum salary minor league players. They're making about 275 a day. So everybody's making at least 15, 16,000 over the next two months. Like I said, it ranges from about sixteen thousand to three hundred thousand for all these players in the forty-man roster. But uh, assuming they play baseball, and this is going to be some fun work for us, Scott. <laughs> mm-hmm. As the day yeah. the second baseball comes back and they start playing, they will go back to their salaries, and the any payment that's been made now in April and May, these little stipends will be offset. So when Bryce Harper goes back to making thirty-four million dollars, he's gonna pretty quickly offset his three hundred thousand dollars earned in April and May. But you know, for the players on minimum salaries, it's gonna take some time to actually offset that because they've already made you know, maybe sixty thousand dollars over the last over the next couple of months for this stipend, but it'll offset. So as long as they play, you know, eighty eighty one to hundred games, these payments will all be moot. They'll all be Bought out by their actual full salaries throughout the remainder of the regular season. This is essentially essentially a cash advance um, to help these players get through the next couple of months. Not that Bryce Harper and those players need that kind of help, but <laughs> and you can argue that to your blue in the face. But certainly the guys on the bottom end of the forty man roster um, on lower end minor league splits. This is a this is a big help. Two seventy five a day. That's a nice. That's a nice stipend for those guys who generally don't see that kind of money on a daily basis. So
0: uh, just to be clear, mm-hmm. does this affect their payroll salary or essentially like their cap hit? Or is this strictly just affecting their cash intake?
1: Neither. It's it's literally, yeah, it's just cash. It's cash. like the government's payout we're about to get is really right. what it is. That It's cash in hand, and I'm sure we'll be taxed heavily on that next year. But
0: so that payroll salary would remain intact.
1: Yep. Yep. It's uh, and
0: then lug- the luxury tax. How, how's that being affected at all? So
1: the second the season starts over again, every all of our payrolls and our CBT tracker go back to full salaries. Um, the 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 payroll salaries though, Scott, will be prorated. They will be prorated. So, you know, if you're set to earn. Eight million, and you play, and we're only playing eighty of the one hundred and sixty. You know, you're going to make four. But Mm -hmm. for tax purposes, that player counts his full tax salary. So none of the tax calculations will change, regardless of what happens with the actual cash payout and the prorated, you know, cash salaries that will happen based on how many games are played. So um, that's a little easier on us, and a little easier on you know, GMs and fans and who follow this kind of stuff too. Um, because you don't want to have, uh, could you imagine the opposite? Can you imagine if the tax payroll was, was shifting with the hiatus, they would essentially have to be writing algorithms that keep up with it. As this thing went along, right. If they didn't start till July 5th, then, you know, where does our roster live then? And then the trade deadlines and through, you know, it's the, the, the counterintuitive management style that would come into play would be crazy. Um,
0: well, it's a good thing they don't have an actual salary cap because then if you're say you only played 81 games and it's 50% and the the <laughs> cap was already set, but then you'd have to shift that. I mean, that would I, add think, into- I think
1: it would be the same scenario where cap would run off full. Pro-rate? No, cash would prorate but cap would remain 100%. I think it'd be the, essentially the payroll, the tax, the CBT, the tax is the cap. It's mm-hmm. just a soft cap, similar to what we have in basketball. So, I uh, I think these are all solid decisions. Um, but like I said, I think everybody's under the assumption, including the big the, the people who signed this deal, that the uh, that the stipend is just a, a cash advance. That there will be baseball played. That the the, the salaries will be paid out, and will we'll make those moot. You know, the advance payments moot and everybody will get their uh, their pay in and go from there. Now, look at there are players on this, the 40 man roster right now. They're about to make sixteen thousand dollars in their from their stipend that won't play nine games the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. They'll make out. They get to keep that money. I mean, that doesn't it's not doesn't go away. It just offsets if you make it on your other salary, too. So there's going to be some guys at the bottom of the table that actually work. This benefits them. So which is good. I like that. I don't think the, I, I think six years as of team control is too much. I've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit of a win for the for the little guys in baseball. Um, yeah. I mean, before we get to the draft, any other questions about how this is all laid out or what?
0: No, I think one of the points that you make here is really interesting and is the CBT right. resetting. I mean, yeah, was,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. You're right. I, I cut my thought off there. So yes, they'll be running off the full tax salaries, um, and they'll have to keep track of how that all works. There's two things. Um, they are going to prorate the payment. So if you are over the tax threshold at the end of the year, no matter how many games are played, if you're over the tax threshold, um, they will prorate the however whatever your fine is. So we're going to have to do the math on that and understand how many games mm-hmm. and, day and league days were played, and the fine will be based off the truncated season. Um, so you're, you know, you're, there's still reason to get under uh, before the season finishes. If there's no season, if there's zero games played this year, and for instance, the Dodgers are over right now, the Dodgers will over will owe no taxes. There'll be no fine yeah. for uh, for going over on a year that didn't exist, and and and. I, I'm going to try to clarify this, but the language that I read, it sounds like every major league baseball team's tax situation will reset, which means if you are set up to be a repeater or if you are a repeater and you were trying to you know, clean yourself from, from being over the past couple of years or so, everybody's going to start back to, to good standing, which is a big deal for the big boys. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it like, could mean that the Yankees and the Dodgers go bonkers <laughs> next year, spending wise. Right. I mean, you can you can right. pay Mookie Betts forty million a year if if this is the scenario, because the fines will be less to go over next year.
0: Well, it, which makes it interesting. Back to that Betts trade. <laughs> had that happened, and Betts say bets hadn't been traded yet, yeah. and this all happened. Yeah. Would Boston, Boston keep
1: him? Oh my right. god! I didn't even think about that angle. <laughs>
0: wow. If they would have waited until the trade deadline and. The quote-unquote trade i mean it, it's interesting i mean same thing i mean we could be talking the same thing about frankie lindor i mean they didn't trade him yeah. so you know not that the indians are going to go and spend like crazy but it's the same similar situation in yeah. you know, payments
1: yeah there's no question that that is uh look nobody saw so, this comment of course i mean it's hindsight is 2020 but the uh that's a big that's a big deal for teams. So if I had to give the two big deals for players, it's getting that accrued season, and for for teams, it's this. As long as I can clarify that this is the case, and tax situations will reset, it's a big deal for the big spenders.
0: Well, the the last thing is um, with the rosters being frozen. I mean, guys that are on Tommy John, hmm. Syndergaard, and Sale. I mean, it, it in a way benefits them if they the season doesn't play because they won't miss any games but uh, obviously they're still getting that accrued season um
1: with that it's big for Syndergaard there's no question Syndergaard's in arbitration three I believe he's got one more left so he will push he he will he will be entering his his last year of team control next year even though he's only going to be available for about half of it based on this surgery so um you can understand why he's doing it (laughs) Right.
0: Oh, because
1: if you if you if you do the math on it, you do it now, you miss, you know, what what seems to be half a season. Let's say they come back in July and it's half a season and then he comes back and he plays a half a season next year and he's headed towards free agency. Right. So they're going to be it's going to be the most important three months of his life, because if he's. Returns to his form and he looks healthy. He's going to make three hundred well, million dollars. <laughs> That's you, just life. And you
0: wonder how many how many players are sort of dragging their feet if they do need some kind of surgery right now. Is, is the season going to happen? If not, I'm going to go into direct surgery because I have that time to uh, recover. Or do I? If there is going to be a season, do I not go into a surgery for some reason because I might be able to play? Uh, especially for those that are going into there's expiring. dozens of these
1: conversations happening right now. Dozens. Yeah. uh You know what's the timeline? You know, yes, this is the time to do it. <laughs> I mean, this is the time to clean right now. If you've got bone spurs or, you know, you know something weak in an el- in an elbow or a leg or a foot, this is definitely the time to clean it up. But yeah, I mean, maybe this thing could be back in in two months. We don't know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we, we kind of know, but I don't think I don't think we know. Um, all right, let's get to the draft, because it's really interesting. Uh, as you can imagine, you know these leagues are bleeding a lot of money right now. They just are. They're not making money. And baseball's, of course, not privy to that, because they didn't even start their season. They've made $0 this year in terms of their in-season revenue. So the draft is coming up in June. Looks like they're going to push that to at least mid-July, but they don't expect to have teams be fully funded for that. So they've countered in this new deal to basically say, okay, um, this 40-round draft, which is still (laughs) 40 rounds, is as of now being cut down to five rounds. And the commissioner does have the ability to increase that. So let's say we do start June 1st, and some of that gate money starts to come in and advertising kicks back in, and teams feel like there's a little bit more of a, of a you know money in the in the pot to work with they can push this thing to ten rounds or whatever it's going to be, but as of now it's it's down to five from forty which you can make you can understand um, the signing bonus slots will toll from last year so generally there's a three to four percent increase every single draft pick is slotted from the first ten rounds and then pretty much ten plus you get one hundred twenty five thousand dollars unless you're in college and then you get about $800 <laughs> because they, they don't think you're worth anything having played four years in college. Um, but whatever the number one overall slot last year was, it's going to be, a, it's going to be this year. So I can tell you right now, uh, Adley Rushman made $8.1 million last year, which is actually his slotted bonus was 8.4 million for the number one overall pick last year. That's exactly what the number one overall pick is going to be this year, $8.415 million. So, Uh, You can take a look on our draft tracker for Major League Baseball. Look through the first five rounds from 2019, and you'll see all the slotted bonuses right there. That's going to be exactly how the 2020 draft looks right now. Uh, Absolutely no change in the signing bonuses. And let me tell you something. Agents are not happy about this one. This is a big, big point of contention from the players and the agents and college coaches and all that stuff. I mean, this is – and we mentioned it a little bit briefly before – uh, there's a lot of smart people that think a lot of kids go back to play college baseball now, not not just because they can now have eligibility for another year if you were a senior, uh, but because the, there's no you know if you're a, first of all if you're a sixth round target, you're going to be undrafted. And oh, yeah. my next point to make here is undrafted free agents, which is now anyone outside of the fifth round. The max bonus you can give them is twenty thousand dollars mm. across the across the league. Whereas before it was basically untapped, you had a pool, but you could allocate four hundred thousand dollars to one undrafted player if you loved them. You know, and that's generally what teams like the Dodgers and Red Sox and the big boys did. And that's why this exists. That's why this cap has to exist because you can't have the big boys taking six-round picks and just paying, giving them a, a massive bonus because they're undrafted in this in this little caveat situation. Uh, so that's another good one, but. You know, would you rather be undrafted and make twenty grand if you're a sixth round pick, or do you just go back to school or go back to the academy wherever you came from and say, screw it, I'm going to wait till 2021 when there's a little bit more normalcy, get myself drafted, get myself a couple hundred thousand dollars in bonus, and start my career that way? I, I really do think that college baseball will benefit from this this scenario because, like I said, if I can look right now with a fifth round. The, the highest signing bonus that will be drafted is going to be about $304,000. That's what the, the, the uh, bottom of the fifth round made last year. Um, and then the drop off from there is 20000 So from three hundred and four to twenty. Mm-hmm. So if you don't think you're in the top five, yeah. if your agents, you know, you know, and it's on agents and scouts to do their homework right now and let you know, hey, are you draftable or not this year? Because if you're not, get out. Get out. Go play somewhere else. Uh, you can make that amount of money on DraftKings for Christ's sake. You know what I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> go bet on some some i racing. Um, so there, something to watch. Some of these, you know, good prospects. Look at there are plenty of superstars that were drafted outside of the fifth round in Major League Baseball. So it's not like we're talking about no namers here. We're talking about legitimate players. Uh, but this is a big change that a lot of players will have to adjust for. Um, and then outside of that, I mentioned 2021. This is a two-year plan because they don't know how much will be played in 2020, and that will, of course, roll over to reduced revenue and, and income for 2021. They've adjusted the 2021 draft as well. Um, if, the season, well yeah. if the season is less than 81 games this year, the commissioner can change how many rounds are next year, and he can change the draft order. mmm he, wow. can, he can sit with me, the, the Players Association, and basically say, all right, did they try? Did they, you know what I mean? How, how does their 40-man roster look? In other words, <laughs> in 81 games, you can do some damage, which right. we've seen in basketball. You know. I mean, the Knicks are trying, but they're, <laughs> there are teams that are... Golden State is not trying right now, folks. They no. are, Golden State is trying to lose. And in 82 games, you can try to lose. And that's essentially what what Rob Rob Bamford is saying here. If our season is is like that, then, you know, there are teams at the bottom. I can't think of one. Who's the worst team in baseball right now? Marlins. Do you know it? Is it the Marlins? There's no way it's the Marlins. It's definitely the Orioles. Orioles. It's definitely The the Orioles. There's no chance that the Orioles wouldn't be the number one pick because of the roster they've constructed. I don't think Rob Bamford would even argue that one. But you'd mm-hmm. have some teams trying to di- trying to nosedive a little bit to get, get themselves down in 81 games. And he, he, he basically writ, wrote in the ability to say, I'm going to nix anyone who does that, which is pretty interesting.
0: Well, and, and I, I believe from, if I remember correctly, they w- they were wanting to reduce these rounds to begin with anyways, because they're cutting back on their mar- minor league Okay,
1: teams, so, here, so here's the grand plan. You, you, you hit it. This is a blessing in disguise. And I don't ever want to call a virus that's killing thousands of people in the world, a blessing, but this was on Rob Manfred's plate. This has been on for years, reducing this draft. And there's a lot of reasons to do it. The reason the whole minor league uh, situation came up last year, you know, that whole uh, hoopla about him canceling like 40 minor league teams, basically eliminating them. Yeah. There's just too much. There's too many minor leagues, minor leaguers playing. And it stems from the fact that there's 40 rounds every year in the draft, right? You can't just draft players and then just have, no, have nowhere for them to go. So you've got to have three, four tiers of minor league baseball to account for all that. He's essentially trying to make that more efficient. He's, he's trying to eliminate some of these tiers. He's certainly trying to shorten the draft. Um, so he will have, I mean, much like uh, we're going to talk about with a lot of these leagues, like basketball. if basketball pushes into July and August, like a lot of people want them to, it's going to be a test case for, can this work all the time, right? right. Um, this is going to be the test case for the major league baseball draft. You know, can teams build off five to 10 rounds and keep their, keep their pools lively enough to contend and, and build their windows like they're building them right now. For instance, the Houston Astros use international signings and four to five years of drafts to, to essentially become who they are right now. Uh, you if, if reducing the draft from 40 rounds down to 10 eliminates that, then that can't happen. Because building through the draft and building homegrown should always be the, best, the right way to do it. That's, that's, you should be promoting that with your teams for sure. So he, he obviously needs some sort of beta test, and this is going to be an unfortunate reason for him to do it. So this is it. This is going to be you, you know exhibit A on if we shorten the draft and we eliminate some of the minor leagues that go with it, and some kids stay in college a little longer, and you know, it, it, does everybody benefit here? And then, like I mentioned, the international signings, which man, we knew this was coming. This is just getting out of control. You're seeing all of these rich get richer with these international kids, just yeah. because they they've been stock, they've been trading for the um, the bonus pool to be able to use it on these kids who are turning into superstars. I mean, the Braves are the
0: well. It, I had a question with that too, yeah, for go you, since we're on it. Is there a reason why? Major League Baseball has a separate draft and then an international signing pool. Why don't they just have one comprehensive draft where all these players that may be eligible are in a draft like the NFL? Like the NBA. uh, Like the NBA. There's an age cutoff and you're either in the draft or – you're eligible for the draft and you can't sign with a team unless you've been eligible in that draft. And once you're not, you're an undrafted free agent and you go from there instead of having college draft and then international signing pool and this rule and that rule. Why don't they just have one comprehensive draft?
1: So I don't have a real good answer for that. Why they don't just integrate all these players together. Um, you'd think within 40 rounds, they could use more players, but <laughs>
0: Um, Well, and the fact that a a lot of these international players are, um, for lack of a better term, better than some of the college kids that are coming out. I mean, we see some of these international signings that are getting way more than some of these drafted kids. So so
1: that that was going to be my answer. And it's kind of a rudimentary answer. But my answer would be that the Players Association simply don't want that. They don't want to find out, or college baseball doesn't want to find out how many international kids would get drafted before their best player. Uh, I mean, we've seen – We the NBA has had a, wake, a wake-up call. I mean – Yeah. Right? There, I yeah. mean, there have been some legitimate international superstars in this league right now that – and college basketball has suffered. It's suffered because of it. There's no question. Yeah, it has. Uh, yeah, the ratings, the the popularity, it's suffered because uh, – LeBron didn't go to college. Giannis didn't go to college. Luca didn't go to college. I mean, let's just be fair. Uh, I, I think that the the lack of baseball crossing these two paths is for that. They want there to be two separate streamlines. And it, and by the way, the research I've done here with these with this uh, these changes leads me to believe it's going to stay that way. So much so, Scott, that after we have this this little. Uh, what do you want to call this? An amendment. As soon as this amendment kind of cleanses itself and we've got a a truncated draft this year, possibly a truncated draft next year, and we get results on that. I believe what's going to happen is we're going to have a permanently truncated MLB draft, which would be your college pool and your academy kids. There will be a separate and formal international draft at that point in 2022. That's what I believe will happen. So you'll have two separate drafts um, which, because for for the reason I believe is they want to keep those two things separate. Now you've you've also got kids that are much younger, mm-hmm. um, so that's another reason you got to be careful here. Is you can't really there, there's a lot of rules that go into being eligible for the major league baseball draft where a lot of these well, international kids wouldn't qualify. So yeah. it, it it does stand with reason to keep them separate, and I I think it'd be extremely entertaining to have the international draft versus. Uh, a sign, an international signing bonus day that couldn't be less covered in the world. I mean, I have to dig for information on this stuff. You know what I mean? And yet, these kids turn into superstars.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you had the draft, I mean, there's going to be all the draft sure. analysis on these kids. They're going to actually know the names. The, the, the last question I had was does Major League Baseball have or should they implement if not a, a Like, and you brought it up, homegrown kids are the way to go. And and like an MLS academy where the Oakland A's have their own MLB academy that they can, kids can go and choose to go in there and they're getting, uh, you know, they're working on their pitching, they're working on their batting, but they're, they live there and they're for the Oakland A's and they would sign them to like MLS does as a homegrown player.
1: Guess who started this in baseball? The Rays. Nope. Well, they might have one, but I don't. I know who was the first team to do it. Mm-hmm. Houston, Houston, Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did. They've got a, a place in Puerto Rico, and I believe that's where a lot of teams now are setting up setting up shop because you can bring in an influx of the international kids as as, as well as the uh, U.S. born kids. Um, but yeah, it's a live-in dormitory campus-style academy where you play baseball and you live and live and learn under these. Minor league coaches within the system, so you're you're learning the, the Astros way essentially. so, right? do, so, so they're banging <laughs> garbage cans in Puerto Rico somewhere right now.
0: <laughs> but do they now when they're uh, eligible to sign? Can they, do they just sign straight up with Houston, or do they have to go to this international signing pool the, aspect?
1: I believe these kids are already under; they've already been selected, drafted, th- that kind of thing. So that's it's where they go to essentially. It's kind of like boot camp. Um, but I could be wrong. These could be. These could be uh, kids that are scouted as well, and they're just in the pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how they would do that and, and avoid some sort of collusioning. But right. uh, to me, I, I guess I, I, it's worth doing more research on. But I know these, well, these academies do exist. Uh, I just don't know to what level of extent to the connection to the team that the players have, but they, for right. sure there's 13-year-olds play, playing ball down here right now.
0: Yeah, I brought it up because the whole fact of getting rid of the minor league system and then the draft is shorter. Sure. So if you can bring in your own quote-unquote homegrown players and really, you know, have them work with your staff and yeah, if they if they eliminate
1: one. minor like you know single A baseball, Scott, they're gonna have to go to this. Because you're gonna be drafting kids that just simply aren't ready for the big leagues and right. you're, and you're, you're not you're not gonna to want to throw them into triple A baseball, so you're gonna to have to have some sort of like I said boot camp that gets these kids up to speed and understand the game and understand the uh you know the strategies that go with it, especially all you know, the an- analytics and all that now but uh t- there's definitely a, a good form of this happening throughout the league and and like I said it's more on an inter- international basis, but yeah. There'll be ramifications across the board, and it's interesting as heck that this awful situation we're in could spur just an entire new generation of baseball. Well, specifically baseball. I mean, the the changes that were kind of so quickly written up here, I I started to write write them down and take notes and outline this thing for this show. I could not believe the level of depth (laughs) that was put in to a week's worth of, uh, of adjudication with the Players Association, this, this discussion we just had could change baseball forever. Forever. There could be an international mm-hmm. draft. The, the draft could be cut 25 rounds. Player salaries could be forever cut. I, I mean, look, there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, and it's going
0: to be interesting when we, with the NBA where they go because I mean, so many people have talked. Oh, the the game needs to be started at Christmas or this. I mean, Same thing. There, there's an opportunity for all these things that people have been talking for years about to happen.
1: Yeah, don't do it once because you have to do it forever, right? Yep. <laughs> um, real quickly on the other sports, let's just, let's. I mean, basketball is your thing. Are, are there yeah. any moves that happened? in basketball recently that are going to have ramifications if basketball doesn't come back this season? Um, It was kind of a a dud trade deadline to some degree.
0: It was, I mean, Marcus Morris going to the, the Clippers, the Clippers sent a 2020 first and a 2021 first to the Knicks. But Morris is expiring, so if for some reason they don't play at all, they lose those two picks and they've essentially had Morris for, what, two weeks or whatever it ended up being. Um, So that's a potential huge ramification in that aspect. Um, The the other thing to note is if the league ends and the standings are as is for the lottery, uh, the, the bottom teams are Golden State, then Cleveland, then Minnesota. And why that's important is the D'Angelo Russell and uh, Wiggins, Wiggins trade, mm-hmm. that Minnesota sent a first to Golden State, which was top three protected. If, if it doesn't convey, it goes to 2022 and it's unprotected. Why that's important is right now, Golden State, Cleveland, and Minnesota all have the exact same amount percentage in the lottery. So it could be that that pick gets conveyed or not conveyed, it it, it 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 matters because if the draft right now with you know kids deciding if they're in or out and uh, it, it may not be the best draft or next year may be better, it, it's gonna matter one way or another. And you know Golden State, they may take that, they may flip it for. I mean, obviously it's been out there. Giannis has been out and they've there. They've got
1: and, Brooklyn's pick too, right?
0: Um, yeah, I believe so. I'd have to double check on that. But uh, th- some huge ramifications with the draft if the if the uh, standings lock as is.
1: Um, hmm. I'll give you one more. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard signed t- two plus yep. ones. Yes, they to did. To go and win a championship in the Clippers with the Clippers. If there is no championship this year and we're talking about 2020-2021 – That'll be that'll be a essentially expiring contract. They'll have player options the next year. Yeah. If they don't win in twenty twenty in in twenty twenty right next year next season, this could be all for nothing. And mm-hmm. how much did the Clippers give up to get Paul George?
0: Yeah. Uh, the farm. I and mean, the next some- four
1: years essentially, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Alternating every other year for first round picks and all that stuff. Yeah. It was a, it was a farm. So yeah. So some, some pretty big implications for uh, s- certain teams. The other, it's sort of notable. Andre Drummond went to Cleveland. He's got a player option yeah. for this 2020. So he'll opt out, but I mean Cleveland was using this as a test run to, to persuade him perhaps um yeah. so or it, flip them. Or well, yeah, if you opted in, then you could flip them again and right. go from there, Sign but I mean they were thing. using it as a yeah, it, it is a test run. So they lose the rest of the season on that. Um it, I, one of the f- other facts that I had written if, if for some reason this does block, I looked at the highest team, the teams with the highest cap, and obviously Portland's at the top. I was surprised <laughs> at number I was surprised at number two, uh, Orlando magic have the second highest cap right now. I'm really? surprised by that. And then Miami, Oklahoma city, and then How Minnesota is the not up there. They have all those low, low minimum salaried and exception guys. It's just um, yeah, it's good.
1: And Anthony Davis isn't big yet. You're right.
0: Right. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, out of the, lowest teams there only two would be playoff or out of the highest caps here. Only two are, uh, playoff teams, essentially Orlando, I think was a fringe team. Uh, but yeah, some interesting points here. We'll see where things go. And what would
1: you like to see? I mean, I don't want to be Debbie Downer and let's say it comes back. Uh, You know, I've, we've heard from LeBron. We've heard from a bunch of people. Uh, I guess I'll give you a multiple choice question here. Um, play 10, 12 games, and then have a normal playoffs, Uh, just have a playoffs, or everybody's in single elimination postseason?
0: A. I'd like to see...
1: LeBron, so you want LeBron. You want 10 games and then then a normal playoffs.
0: I I don't even need 10 games. Give me five. Give me five. It allows those fringe teams five games to figure out if you're going to be in or out, right? it gives LeBron, Giannis, Doncic, all those guys, gives them five games to get the rust off. Mm-hmm. So when they come into the playoffs, you can hit the ground running. But then I think a truncated playoffs should happen. Okay. Let's play. Let's play. Uh, First round three, by now f- three game series.
1: Mm. It,
0: it means more. And then go to a five, and then seven and seven. Uh, but make that. There's no reason for that first round to be a full complete seven games yeah. uh, after the this massive layoff. So, if in my best case scenario, I'd love to see like a five game, uh, f- get the rust off, see who's in, and then like a three, five, seven, seven series.
1: Sounds good. All right. Let's move to football. What do you think, real quick? Yeah, we let's did, do it. We did, we this did, was fun. You did some homework here. I want to, I want to catch up. But it, By the way, uh, our special thanks here to theathletic.com. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, for 40% off after this hiatus, which is right now free. If you want to go there and sign up, you get, I believe, another 60 days or so completely free from the athletic. And then you can use slash spot S P O T R A C, for 40% off from the rest of the way through. $2.99 a month. You can't go wrong, okay, the NFL career earner from each franchise with that franchise a couple of surprises I've got a bombshell stat I, I, I've got a bombshell surprise for you, Scott, okay because you think you've got a nice surprise on one of these names, and I can double it. I can okay. double it on one of these teams okay yeah this i, this, I, uh, I preface by the way, I preface the uh, the audience here by by admitting that I only got twenty out of thirty two right when you when okay. you tested me uh so there's certainly going to be some curveballs down the list here i, I told them there's plenty of, of quarterbacks as they might imagine so we don't have to go go too deep into those teams that are clear as day obvious mm-hmm. um, i think anyone who follows football enough can understand who the arizona cardinals career is going to be because he's still playing at a high level larry fitzgerald Um, who's
0: who's happy because he got a new
1: teammate. (laughs) He's not even, yeah, he's the number three option there now, easily the number three option there. Um, he's going to push north of $186 million this year when it's all said and done after another 11 million this year. So, uh, that's a ton of coin first ballot hall of famer guy can do whatever he wants when he's done with this thing. If he wants to hop into the booth, I mean, it's just, he's the class of class (laughs) I mean, we know so little about the guy, and yet we all know how great he is. That's yes. that's how great of, a, great of a human being that 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 man is. Uh, Falcons, no brainer. It's the quarterback. It's Matt Ryan. Same with Flacco at Baltimore. I know, I understand. It was a one and done, but he would he won the Super Bowl. You get paid. That's just how it works. Uh, I got the Bills wrong, and I live in Buffalo, so that's not great for me, huh? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, you know what I. I was kind of surprised by who it was as well when I ran the numbers. I, I was like, "Oh, really? But when you look back and see why, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I picked the wrong Williams. I, I, uh, I was thinking longevity, so I picked Kyle Williams. I forget that Kyle Williams was paid like a defensive tackle and not a defensive pass rusher for all those years. And they did sign a pass rusher in free agency and give him a ton of money, and that was Mario Williams. So there's your Bills career earner for now, franchise-wise. And I don't think anybody's getting close yet, but... Once they sign that quarterback, it's coming. It is coming. Carolina's Cam Newton, he just uh, fell off the train there. So $121 million earned as a Carolina Panther. That is by far the most in Carolina. Lance Briggs in Chicago.
0: Yeah, I did not guess that. Lance Briggs.
1: Big time cash to over $100 million. They paid the uh, pass rushers forever. (laughs) That's always been a thing. All Mm -hmm. right. Uh, Yep. I was right on Cincinnati, but I was worried about it. AJ Green, yeah, and he's got 18 million more this year on that franchise tag. So this I,
0: is—I for sure thought Carson Palmer was going to be close, which he was. He was,
1: but... yeah, yeah. This was a, yeah. thats a rare existence of a wide receiver overtaking everybody right there. And he's going to hes going to push. Man, he's going to make over 100 million dollars as a Cincinnati Bengal this year, unless yeah, he's traded tag. on that tag. Yeah, good for him. Joe Thomas in Cleveland—I did get that one. Great coin, uh, first I believe first ballot again, left tackle. Uh, let's see, we're missing Dallas Scott. Is Dallas Romo? Yep.
0: Dallas is there. Yep. Romo, right under, right under Cleveland. Romo. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: no surprise there. Andre after free yeah. agent, by the way, just an incredible yeah, one of, story.
0: one of uh, one of two on this list. Really? So. All right, I got to yep. find the
1: I got to find the other. Denver's Von Miller. We I think we all can figure that one out. Stafford in, the, in Detroit, of course. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Um, who passed Brett Favre about eight years ago <laughs> in terms of career earnings. He had no trouble surpassing that number. Uh, Andre Johnson in Houston. Yeah. Talk about wide receivers. JJ's coming though. Yeah,
0: if we if if we would have gone if 2020 hits, yeah. then yeah, it, he's he's gonna overtake that. Uh,
1: JJ's only 10 million away. He's gonna surpass him this year as long as everything goes as as planned. Uh, Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, of course, uh, Andrew Luck was on his way to getting there, but came up about $70 million short because of that retirement. Still did just fine. Over 109 million earned for Andrew Luck. All right. Here's the curveball. Here's the, here's the, uh, here's the one I, I, I did guess Bortles in Jacksonville, which you did, which I missed by $50,000, $130,000. Blake Bortles made $130,000 less than Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. I mean that is I mean it's not good money. It's 46 million in terms of NFL money. That's not great money.
0: So, and that's the lowest out of all these this list. That's I mean the, it's the, real the, low.
1: That's the highest earning player in the history of Jacksonville Jaguars. $46 million. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean Nick Nick Foles made 30 and a half million last year. Yeah. If Nick Foles would have played this year, he would have been the highest-earning Jacksonville Jaguar in franchise history.
0: Crazy, right?
1: Oh, my goodness. Eric Berry in Kansas City. That is going to be changing soon. (laughs) Oh, definitely. That is going to be changing (laughs) soon. Um, Yeah, we don't need to discuss that one. Nope. I I knew this was coming. Derek Carr is your Oakland Raiders, and it's really not even close. I mean, the bigger story is who's second. (laughs)
0: Right? I know, isn't it?
1: The bigger story is who's second. So Derek Carr has made $72 million to date, the second highest paid Raider in history. And, of course, we're not, we're not adjusting for inflation, so I understand that there's some guys who, you know, if they were playing today, would be making way more money than we're talking about. But just in terms of dollar-to-dollar dollar value, Sebastian Janikowski, kickers are people to $51 million, second most in Raiders history.
0: He's the only kicker out of all top three of every team, too. So. Yeah, yeah, as
1: you can imagine. Yeah. Um, although Vinny Terry had a, had to be doing pretty well here, uh, but he split he split between the Patriots he and the did. Colts. That's his right. downfall. Uh, mm-hmm. Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers, of course, by far in in San Diego slash Los Angeles. How about this one? Rams, Chris Long. Yeah. Man. I for sure thought
0: Bradford was it, but
1: no. Yeah, Bradford bounced around. They got, they got so many teams that to pay, to pay that money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what the, I mean? Yeah, but he he signed that big rookie contract. Yeah. I for sure thought that was gonna help, but it didn't. Not with
1: they didn't pay him anything else after that, that's for sure. Aaron Donald will probably yeah, he's definitely gonna get there, actually. He's only twenty four million dollars away from Chris Long. So Aaron Donald is knocking on the door. Um and look, Goff's Goff's gonna get there. I mean, Goff's got 90 some million guaranteed yeah. right now going forward, so he's going to get there for sure. Uh, here we go. Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. My-
0: I'm laughing because this was one of my laughables.
1: Yeah, so obviously Namakusu made a ton of money on his rookie deal and then a couple of uh, – was it a tag? Did he get tagged there?
0: Mm-hmm. I think he got tagged. He made yeah. coin.
1: $60 million flat even for Nnamakasu. Not to be outdone by Ryan Tannehill at $72 million, who – was drafted high, had a nice rookie contract and then made the four, four year, $77 million extension. Here's my, uh, here's my double down on Ryan Tannehill. (laughs) After 2020, Ryan Tannehill is going to be the Miami dolphins and the Tennessee Titans in the next two years, Mm -hmm. in the next two years, because of 91 million guaranteed on that extension in Tennessee. Wow. Wow. Ryan Tannehill is going to be Tennessee and Miami in a couple of years here. So there you go. Don't tell me Ryan Tannehill can't play football. Um, Minnesota, Adrian Peterson, no, no problem with that one. He made a ton of coin there, and he was worth every penny. And he's still worth an above minimum salary in Washington right now. So good for him to sort of resurrect in his football career. Tom Brady in New England, it's not even close. Um, Drew Brees in New Orleans, it's not even close. Eli Manning, it's not even close. I got this one. Would you have gotten this one, the Jets?
0: Uh, probably not. Nobody finessed.
1: Honest contract to contract to contract more than Darrell Rebus. Yeah. He he's he, done a great job He knew job when to do it. He knew how to do it. He knew how to structure it. He knew, he knew how to build in options. Uh, he really, I mean, he was certainly worth the, uh, the price of admission on the field as well, but from a contractual standpoint, this guy was legendary $95 million just as a jet. And he bounced around to two other teams as well. So he's your current leader in the clubhouse in New York, Jason Peters in Philadelphia, who just, yep. uh, just cut ties with him. He's still yet to sign somewhere else. We'll see where he lands for his he, kind he, of uh, his finale.
0: He's your other uh, UDF. You're right. As a tight end yep. in
1: Buffalo, a converted t- undrafted tight end is be- going to become a uh, first ballot left tackle Hall of Famer. <laughs> yep, incredible. Ben Roethlisberger, of course. Joe Staley, speaking of left tackles who made a ton of money and stayed in one place for a long time, that's your 49ers uh, top. And Jimmy's not going to get him this year. Uh, Jimmy's gonna be close this year. Within a year and a half, Jimmy will be the 49ers career earning leader. Russell in Seattle. Gerald McCoy in Tampa Bay. Interesting, huh? Yeah, it is. Huh. Mike Evans will become second this year. I don't think Mike Evans is catching $110 million, though. No. Maybe not all in Tampa Bay. He's he's probably gonna bounce around a little bit. Who's I mean, Tom Brady's gonna be fourth on this list in two years. Good lord. Uh, Jarrell Casey just left Tennessee. They just, just traded him to Denver. He is currently your Tennessee Titans career earnings leader. Like I said, Ryan Tannehill is going to overtake this in two years. So, yeah, say what you will. <laughs> it pays to win the last eight weeks of the of the season. That's what. Yeah. And then you know go three weeks into the playoffs. If you're a quarterback, that's how to do it right there. That's what Joe Flacco mm-hmm. did, boys and girls. Except for he won the whole thing. Uh, Trent Williams. About to be exiled <laughs> out of Washington, but he's your far and away. How about Josh Norman is already second? Yeah. Oh, my God. Most people yeah, forgot they, Josh they Norman was him. even there until they cut him this year. Yeah. Well,
0: they <laughs> paid him that huge, uh, huge contract when Carolina yeah. took the tag off and he was random, un, unrestricted free agent and they jumped on that. So
1: I'm going to count real quick one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 quarterbacks. Less than half the league.
0: And just count Romo, too.
1: 15 quarterbacks. 15. yeah. Almost exactly half the league. little less yeah. than half the league quarterbacks. It, are the top career earners.
0: with it, within uh, another year, With two, Tannehill. Be, well, Tannehill, with Jimmy. Holtz, did Sean Watson. I mean, you name them. We're going to be, be close to...
1: Kind of neat little snapshot now, though, to see how the last decade or so kind of shook out, because you can obviously see how left tackles and and edge rushers were paid accordingly. And not that they aren't now, but quarterbacks are now so much exponentially higher than everybody else that this you're right. This list is going to be dominated by quarterbacks within if we we come back in two years and look at this list, it'll be 75 to 80 percent quarterbacks. Right.
0: Oh, I I would think so. There's no question. Maybe even more so. The other stat that'll be interesting to see is, uh, eight players have earned two hundred million plus with one team. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see a where that eight number goes for two hundred plus. But at what point? Who's going to be the first three hundred million or four hundred million uh, with one team only? It's going to be interesting
1: to see. There's definitely more movement coming. I just don't know if that movement will be quarterbacks. Do you know what I mean? And if mm-hmm. it's not, then of course these numbers are going to be high and two hundred, three hundred million dollars worth of quarterback contracts in one place. Because if you can pay a guy for eight years and pay him three hundred million dollars and then get rid of him, you're going to do it. That's what's going to happen. Rookie tag We're, tag, you know, contract out, right? <laughs> well, and in
0: the state of the like, like you've said, you know, five year deals are really only two or three year deals. It'll be interesting. And we've talked about, uh, you know, Mahomes, if he does get whatever he does, 200, 300, 400, whatever it ends up being, um, does he actually get that? I mean, it's impressive that eight of these players have actually made with one team $200 million and, you know, the longevity and the consistency of their play.
1: No question. Yeah, let's actually finish on on your point there because I did a tweet on it yesterday, two days ago now. Um, This current NFL free agency class, I started to notice the trends. I mean, we we joked about how the three for 30 was kind of like the contract of the year. There's like eight players who signed three years, $30 million. But it started to not be so much of a joke as this thing kind of dragged into a week and a half, two weeks long. Uh, So I went back six seasons of NFL free agents contracts in 2015 and 2016, we had 18 contracts signed that were worth f- that were of five years or more in length. Uh, that dipped to 13 in 2017. It dipped to 10 in 2018. We had four last year. We have five right now, and I don't <laughs> and I don't think we're getting a sixth. Now you can. I had some pretty good comments on this one, um, and people pretty much either hypothesizing why this existed or why they think this could be. A, so there's two reasons. And, you know, correct me where I'm wrong here, Scott, but one is just people are getting smarter, right? Right. People, teams, and teams, are, teams are reluctant to do this, but they completely understand why they have to in some instances, especially with the quarterback. They have to. So your point about Mahomes, you know, is he going to sign for seven years, six years, five years, six years, seven years, and, tag, and, and take away his rookie contract just to get to that big money? Or is he going to try to keep control? You know, is he going to try to keep himself at three years fully guaranteed, maybe four years, three years guaranteed, and try to control his destiny because the money's going to be the money no matter where it is. Kirk Cousins has proved that over and over again now, and he is not even a top five quarterback. Okay. He made a ton of money on franchise tags. He got a fully guaranteed free agent contract, and he got a fully guaranteed extension off of that free agent contract. So what are we talking about here? Of course, Dak Prescott's not going to sign a five-year contract in Dallas. There's mm-hmm. no way he should. He's a free no. agent right now. He's absolutely a free agent right now. That's, how, that's the mindset he and his agency are in. And it's going to have to be the Cousins deal plus $7 million a year or nothing. It's $35 million a year, three or four years, fully guaranteed, or we're not even talking right now because now the precedence has been set. So to me, that's part of it. And then the second part of it is we've got a new CBA that's going to have increased revenue and in, in for the next two years. And then TV deals that are coming through two and a half years, maybe even sooner in terms of the uh, contract signed, that's going to bump revenue and bump a salary cap up ex, you know, exponentially, like we had in the NBA a couple of years back. Everybody knows it's coming. There's no surprise anymore. We know it's going to be here. So nobody wants to pump a four-year contract out right now and let teams control them when revenue and cap could jump through the moon in, in, in that fourth year of this current contract. So... It's just smart. It's just education, being able to control your destiny. You know, why, why pinch pennies for two, three million more when I could sit back and give myself a year of control instead and then understand where everything's going to level in terms of the league and, and all of that. It's just, a, it's just good business, and I'm glad that teams are on board with it for the most part. Like I said, I don't think Jerry Jones is, is coming around to it quite yet. He's going to have to. I, I'd be absolutely shocked if Dak signed a five-year contract.
0: Yeah, I would, too, at this point.
1: Yeah. All right. Good yeah. stuff.
0: I, I I think it's going to be interesting to see if we do this in uh, two, three years, how how this list changes. It's going to be interesting. Me, too.
1: Well, I, I wonder when that money does kick in, does this become cyclical? Do players then feel comfortable signing long term longer-term contracts because they can spread that money out and it's going to be that much more money? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't happen in the NBA. LeBron kept taking his one-plus-ones. Durant yeah, kept exactly. taking his one-plus-ones because he wanted to absolutely control his destiny. It's a little bit harder to do that in football because one player can't impact a team like that um, unless you're going to have Dak Prescott bouncing around on one-year contracts, which doesn't seem likely, or, may, or at that point it would be Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson bouncing around on one-year contracts. Um, it just doesn't seem feasible with this sport versus that sport, That sport, but we'll see Yeah, when the money kicks in how these teams and players treat the contract situation because right now they are... They are holding back. They are locking down for for the for the money that's still to come. All right, good stuff, Scott. We'll uh, we'll find more of these. Oh, we didn't even get to the, to what's coming. So here's what's on the docket. I'm gonna throw some <laughs> some new information at you here. Uh, we're gonna start our new series, Careers Earned. You and I have talked about this a little bit. It's gonna be a new new podcast series. I'm gonna keep it on this stream though. I'm not gonna open up a new stream. We're gonna, we're just gonna mix it into the Spot Track podcast stream. I will bring in some special guests and things like that here and there, but we're going to take retired players for the most part. I don't think, we, I mean, maybe we'll sneak up Brady in there or something like that, but for the most part, it's going to be players who are retired who've had a significant amount of money earned, um, over their playing career, any sport we're going to talk about, you know, many of the sports that we cover. There's, there are our contenders in all those sports that we can get to you know, and we'll do this as, as much as we can here, hopefully one per week, but we're going to start with Alex Rodriguez. How's that yeah. sound? Sounds great. Yeah, the uh, highest earning baseball player in the history of baseball. Plenty of polarizing discussions to Audubon have. Plenty- <laughs>
0: um, I was going to say he's the highest out of all four big sports. Uh, exactly. Big, big, the big four.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so, it, it's we'll, kind
0: of kind of fitting to start with him.
1: Yeah, we'll do. We'll, we'll launch our careers earned podcast on this stream this week with Alex Rodriguez. Uh, we're going to do some other fun stuff as well. We'll, we'll try to do more of this um, single team earnings kind of thing across the board. We'll, talk, we'll we'll look at some baseball, maybe some basketball as well. We'll go back as far as we can on that. But uh, you know, we're going to keep afloat here as much as possible, even though the content's going to dwindle. We will of course get to some NFL draft uh, soon as that's going to kick into gear. And uh, we'll get a couple of guys on from the draft network who we've, who we've had some good relationship in. They've been doing mock drafts. I think Joe Marina just launched mock draft 7.0. So take a ch- check out that. We're going to have him on soon to talk about how it's all hashing out. Plenty of wide receivers and, and defensive tackles and, and offensive linemen from what I hear. So if you're a, mm. in a market that needs that, it's going to be a good draft for you as well. All right, my thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack for 40% off. For Scott Allen, I'm Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack podcast.